0: Welcome to episode 75 of the Green Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss the themes of well being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley. And in this episode, I'm in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, talking to John Harrison. He's president of Sustainable, a Sustainable Production, sometimes abbreviated to ASAP. That's a women-owned global sustainability and wellness consulting firm that specializes in implementing the LEED, green building, and well, healthy building standards at scale. He's also a strategic advisor for B Corporation out of Hong Kong, another big LEED certification company, that one specialized in the retail sector. John is a Lead Fellow, a licensed architect, and one of the world's experts on applying sustainable strategies at scale in real estate. While at Starbucks, he played a pivotal role in implementing over 1,600 green certified stores in 22 different territories, making it one of the most successful green building programs of its kind in the retail world. He also spent 13 years at Mithun in Seattle, one of the leading sustainable design practices in the US and a practice to have on your radar if you're even remotely interested in green building architecture. He also recently hired one of my ex-team members, Hannah Schaub, a talented Stanford grad destined for great things, so I know he has good taste in recruitment. John, thanks for taking the time to be here. Thanks, Matt. So let's dive in. Perhaps you could describe your role at ASAP, what the team looks like there. Obviously, you're in Europe, the rest of the team split between Europe and the US, as I understand it.
1: Correct. So Jennifer Berthelot-Jelvic, who's the founder, is actually based out of Los Angeles and has been for the entirety of the, the time the company has existed. So it's, I think, 11 years now. Um, and uh, she and I known each other for quite a while uh, before I uh, left Starbucks at the end of 2019. And um, she's made herself kind of the preeminent uh, well AP in the world. And um, the International well Building Institute at that time, in around 2019 was um, starting to um, really commit to a portfolio based um, solution. Um, they had existed for a few years and had done, uh, you know, had uh, built a certification platform, but um, we're looking to move toward, um, uh, move toward something that was more inclusive of um, broader business portfolios. And Jen had known that I had obviously been with Starbucks for, you know, uh, many many years and had built that program there that was able to take lead volume and build it at scale so uh, we began talking about how uh, we could partner up to um, uh, take the sort of the scale knowledge that i have and sort of the corporate side that i'd learned from that time and combine it with the well knowledge she had and apply that to um portfolios that were looking at this particular program at the time. She had a few that she was looking at and then as time evolved, we added a few more and and various typologies and uh, were able to execute some, some fairly big numbers um, with some ratings and certifications and that sort of thing.
0: It's a powerful double team for anyone who hasn't been through the process or who is considering that certification could be on the cards for a project that they're looking at in real estate, how location specific is it based on you know, if you have a project in uh, one city, do you need necessarily to find a certification advisory consultancy in the same city, the same state, same country even, or is it pretty much delivered online virtually nowadays?
1: So um, it's pretty much delivered online virtually. And you know, a little bit with the pandemic has made that happen. Um, or has, you know, sort of facilitated a different look at things. Um, I think that it, especially when it came to, you know, lead projects, you probably would have a little bit more or BREEAM or whatever certification system it is. Um, You would have a little bit more of a regional or local approach, and you still get that a little bit with larger projects. But when you're working with um, uh, national and multinational corporations and even some individual projects, um, which um, I've done over the last few years too, um, it's really not um, it's not dependent on that anymore. And the standards and systems are, um, at least in the majority of the world, fairly universal. Now at Starbucks having to apply a lead volume program to some countries, um, you know, I would say probably a little less evolved in, uh, formality, um, you know, like there's some places in Asia, it's places in Latin America. Um, it takes a little bit more, um, guidance, um, but you can still do it all remotely, which we, you know, which we did then and we pretty much been doing now for the whole time. So, you know, I'm in Amsterdam. It gives me opportunity to, um, uh, interact with leadership from IWBI, for instance, that, cause they have a whole leadership team in, in Europe. Um, so I've been at a couple conferences and that sort of thing, um, you know, speaking and, um, you know, having access. Um, but, you know, the majority of what I've done over the last few years, um, in the last couple of years in the Netherlands, I sit at a desk in front of a screen, just like we're doing right now. And um, uh, it's just that the meeting times are interesting sometimes uh, with the time differences, but um, you're able to do work back in the U.S., able to communicate and do work in Asia and obviously in on this continent because it's, um, you know, you're in the same time zone. But uh, it, it's totally changed over the last few years.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And you mentioned delivering projects at scale. Let's just dig into that a little bit. So, mm-hmm. what, what would a sort of a typical context be there when a client comes to you? They 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 already have an existing portfolio of properties, and suddenly they wake up to the idea that perhaps certification would be good. And they think, well, we have ten different buildings. Let's do all ten. Or is it is it a very more nuanced situation typically where a client comes to you with a portfolio?
1: Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> so, um, we kind of see it all. And it, it, for me, it kind of goes back to some realizations that, that came to bear at Starbucks. So, um, you know, I'd worked on a lot of really interesting, um, uh, retail hospitality, but also education driven things, um, at Mithun. And we were kind of on the forefront of, of lead as it was starting to emerge in the late nineties. It had some of the first first in various categories for, um, for lead projects, but they were all one-offs and I'd never really considered, um, you know, the certification to be the point. Um, it was always, you know, trying to do the best thing by the project, trying to do the best thing by the client. And then the certification was just sort of this, um, you know, reward you got at the end, but what became to be real apparent, um, uh, as we were building the Starbucks program was that, uh, you know, in order to do things where you have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people who need to, um, um, chime in um, and uh, um, help guide uh, a system that um, brings a lot of projects into um, the ability to be certified or at least to be accounted for in some way or another. You need systems. And that's what the you know that's what uh, uh, well at scale, as they call it now was well portfolio and what lead volume, Um, were kind of designed to do was to be able to do things on mass and doing things on mass is where the real, um, the real impact happens too, because uh, you know, you can, as an architect, I could have just spent my whole career doing one individual green building at a time, but you know um, when you uh, are able to apply standards across an entire portfolio, you have a much bigger impact with regard to uh, conservation, carbon, et cetera, et cetera, impact on people. Um, So what's happening now is, uh, companies, um, are looking either from a, an ESG standpoint where they want to, uh, make a splash and be able to report, um, or looking on the scale of, um, you know, just trying to affect a portfolio. Um, they're trying, they're, they're seeing these examples and they're trying to do that in a way that affects more than just one building. So we have clients, we have a client in the Philippines, for instance, that has, uh, I think it's three or four major um, high rises that they have built and operate as offices of mixed use. Um, So they just have a small portfolio and that fits into the system uh, just fine. And we did uh, well health safety ratings for them. And then we also did um, uh, a massive amount of well health safety ratings uh, for um, T-Mobile USA, where they were looking to try and make sure that, um, somewhere around 24 2500 assets were able to get some sort of recognition through the um uh through the well at scale program um, so you can kind of and 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 mixed mixed typologies too some were uh, uh, CRE projects or corporate re- real estate and uh, a huge portion of it was actually on the retail side um, so um it, it it just depends it's it's there and then it's all all, every and everything in between so the, the scale part of it can be hundreds if not thousands um, down to you know a few entities
0: and another way then to think about a certification process that has a degree of scale is is also with a community where it's yes. perhaps bigger than just four walls no matter how big the building is but perhaps something like a campus or an entire sort of village within a town or, or a district. Mm-hmm under development so again that you're applying your same knowledge but a different challenge in a way right so you're having to sort of customize the approach there to lead and well or to lead and well adapt now well enough to those to the idea of a community level uh, standard
1: yeah it's both um they both have um especially on the lead side they have community level and um, you know kind of city level scale that you can apply um but uh what we found and there are a couple projects that we're working on right now on the asap side that our development communities um they're using a variety of approaches so um they might be using a particular like relay or something for um uh you know um resiliency um they may be using uh um well, more um, geared toward uh, residential um, for you know some of that part of the project, or in one case they might be using um, Leads platform for residential. So you can kind of do it in combination, and I think that's the the biggest thing though is that um, when you start talking to someone who has this project or another kind of project, is that they're um, you know the mind share and the late nineties when we first started doing lead was, um, you know, in my architectural career, that was it pretty much. Um, you know, and Bram was emerging at some point and there were other like Casby in Japan, there were other programs kind of emerging, but there wasn't a lot of variety and there, they didn't, you know, they were kind of, uh, almost exclusively focused on, um, conservation and waste diversion. Pretty much. There wasn't a lot of depth beyond that but now there's so many different systems that can be applied um and you can also apply them in a custom fashion where you pick pieces of one and pick pieces of the other that you want to apply so um i know it's a, a long-winded explanation but it's 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 uh, it can be it can be both there are constructs where you can fit an entire community um of sc- of some sort of scale into a into a rating system or um with a community or any other kind of um scale project, you can use um, a variety of different inputs from different rating systems to, uh, uh, um, to get the client where they want to get to.
0: And have you sensed that lead is responding to evolving market dynamics, or has it, in a sense, led from the front? I mean, what one can't help but notice the recent arrival or relatively recent arrival and, and sort of massive upsurge in interest in well, and then mm-hmm. lead slowly sort of nudging closer to or picking up a few more of the sort of healthy and wellness terminology along the way. It's sort of Mm -hmm. been through later iterations. How do you see that around a standard that is fixed versus a standard that's in evolution? Is it, is it more the latter and it's having to adapt constantly and and reiterate
1: it? um, So I guess the honest answer is that it didn't really, um, it didn't really reinvent itself for a while. So uh, lead was the standard, the categories haven't changed that much over the course of the last couple decades. Um, but they were starting to employ some of the terminology and some of the strategies that you were seeing coming from well and other rating systems that were a little more human focused. And it goes back to the bigger picture issue right now. I mean, if, if, if when a, when you talk to clients or people with inside the industry about what the trends are, the trends really are about carbon and about health. I mean, those are the, the, the two primary themes. So what's happening with lead right now is um, they've had a change in leadership in the last few years, and they've tried to kind of rethink their approach. So, they're actually um, uh, this last green build uh, in uh, in Washington D.C. They announced a little bit more detail about Lead Version Five, which is definitely going to have more focus on the carbon issue, which goes to. It goes to energy use, but it also goes to other accessory kind of uses like water and other things. Um, but then also more focus on um, human experience and health and that sort of thing. So, um, I think the it's, it's a dual answer. It's like for a while I think they were a little bit static, but now they're realizing that things are changing and they need to have a, a more dynamic approach to um, uh, to their offering.
0: Nice. And the demand that you're seeing at the moment around well or the sort of slightly lighter version of the health and safety rating. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that in specific sectors where you can just think, wow, that's exploding. And it's it's obvious that one area of the real estate space has has really latched onto this and it's currently booming or is it a fairly even spread from your perspective?
1: Um, it's That's interesting, it's um, it's kind of all over the place. But primarily with the wealth health safety rating, it was a reaction to what was happening with co- the COVID issue. Um, it hasn't totally, you know, um, uh, gone aside because, you know, COVID is less in our minds than it was before. But, um, the primary, um, the primary motivation for clients was we need to get, um, our employees back in the office and we need to get our customers back in our spaces. So T-Mobile will be a good example of that. They have, uh, commercial real estate properties at our offices and they have some call centers and, you know, um. Um, so basically, office-driven sort of sort of properties, but they also had, uh, I think we had somewhere around twenty-three hundred and something um, company-owned retail facilities. And what they wanted to do was give some assurance to the actual people who actually use those spaces that they had made an effort to um, make sure that they would be a little bit more safe than they would be had they had they not you know paid attention to things. Um, and, I think, you know, you do see it a lot, especially on the well side, um, you know, you do see it a lot in the office space. Uh, You see it somewhat in sort of the combo office slash retail or showroom space quite a bit. Um, We've seen a little bit in office and manufacturing. So anywhere where you have like a density of folks, a density of people, that's the kind of desire they're going to have for either the health safety rating and or looking at well at scale. Um, and certifications.
0: It's interesting because well is obviously a fairly high barrier to entry in most cases around, um, you know, a smaller property developer might look at it and Mm -hmm. think it's just a bit too onerous. And so with smaller scale projects, I notice a lot of people creating their own sort of bespoke versions or, or, you know, just applying certain elements that are most relevant to them, all the way down sort of single family homes, and you've got a whole network of consultants, some of whom we've had on the on the podcast in the past, we're just applying many of the same principles, not all of them, but many of them from the wealth standard, but at a more sort of personal, one-to-one scale. So then that sort of raises the question around residential, if it if it's you know it Mm -hmm. is there, but perhaps not as big as in some other sectors. Do you think there's a reason behind that? Because health would be the most personal of all Questions, or arguably even more personal than for most people, than decarbonization in terms of value drivers and why you would buy a, a residence in one building versus another.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think long term, yes. And um, as it related to COVID and the health safety rating, it was more about um, kind of uh, you know protecting us from each other, um, protecting us from um, you know sort of the realities of the situation of a you know an airborne disease. Um, which kind of lent itself a little bit more toward um, spaces that were shared, like offices and retail. Um, but we are seeing a lot more interest in on the residential side. Um, we've done a little bit of multifamily. We've definitely done some mixed use, um, where you have uh, apartments, you know, in um, mid-rise or high rises, with um, you know, like a retail platform below, and there's an attraction uh, for. Um, well, obviously an attraction for renting, um, knowing that the space has met a certain metric. So you're seeing it emerging more. And then a couple of of projects that we have um, uh, right now that are uh, more kind of resort-driven, health-driven, those are, um, you know, kind of mostly residential-based. So you're starting to see it. But then you will also see that, um, you know, anyone can go on IWBI's website and look at the standards. You know, anybody can access the lead standards, you know, information is flowing um, easily and you can take a look at it and you can customize whatever you want to kind of do some, some basic things for um, whatever you're building. So I think um, as you were kind of bringing up, that's that's another thing that people are doing is they're really looking at, um, uh, uh, you know, customized approaches. So it's it wouldn't necessarily be necessary for you to, to do a certification or a rating or get an endorsement. However, if you um, are a company that is um, uh, that is reliant on certain kinds of funding, um, and there's different constructs for that, there's a European taxonomy, there's um, you know kind of the the private side of it that's happening in the U.S. and might get a little bit more um, government uh, kind of influence over time. Um, you want to be able to report on things, so. Um, that's where kind of some of these organizations um, are able to provide a, um, a legitimacy, like a third party legitimacy and verification that will um, help you kind of um, get your ESG numbers up, so to speak, so that you can get preferred financing so that you can meet metrics that the public pays attention to that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. That, that strikes me as fundamental. The idea of pressure from above of investment groups who need to align with the ESG principles and therefore start applying or well, in a sense, like passing the buck down in the in the chain to the developer level, which is great because that's exactly what we need. So sort of pressure from the money uh, is a, is a good reason to do it. So then within the context of ASAP, so then a customized approach, the type of project that you might take on that perhaps doesn't quite fit into one or the other of the major standards, but you would still take on as a project and apply how does it work? You sort of mix between the two or you create something specific. Is it sometimes about going further than the standards can take you, or is it just a sort of mix and match approach in some instances with your clients?
1: Yeah. Yes. All of that. Um, I think, you know, right now we have a couple clients where we're doing a mix between, um, well standards, uh, lead standards, um, certain resiliency standards. Um, and in some cases it's going to, uh, the point where we're doing a, um, you know, a certification construct from one or more of those entities, um, and in some cases, we're just pulling in pieces and parts of the construct into the, the system so that it supports um, certain aspects that want to be supported. Um, you know, for instance, we're we're doing a uh, a community in Florida that you know has a um, has some exposure be- based on um, uh, based on weather events. You know, so it's like, um, the theme of the, the theme of the development is really that they want to, um, everything to be sort of based on the concept of wellness, but you couldn't just ignore the fact that, you know, um, when you have something that's fairly close to the shoreline and has been, um, pelted by hurricanes that, you know, you also need to think about the resilience issue. So you, you bring in those constructs as well as, as it makes sense for them, um, you know it's 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 harder to explain um it's a little more complex um and it's the challenge there is you know being able to sort of pull all these different influences and standards in and kind of create something that that works cohesively um but it does make sense to the client ultimately because you know they're trying to get at several different different goals otherwise you could just do one or the other um and you know you kind of have your th- your, your thing to hang on the wall um, your plaque to hang on the wall, but um, but in some of these cases, it's it's um, a little more important to um, kind of make sure you have all your bases covered.
0: Not something to be undertaken lightly. <clears throat> clearly, mixing or, or combining pieces of the two, mm-hmm. I think, it requires mastery of of your subject, and in this case, of both well and and lead. If you're going to start mixing and matching, and I think it's it's a reflection of of the resources and the the team that you, you all built there, that you're able to do that successfully. Are there any specific projects that you're currently involved in that are keeping uh, making you sort of optimistic for the year ahead? You mentioned something before we started work, uh, so before we started recording of a project in um, a ski resort as well. I'd be interested to understand how you apply some of this knowledge to a ski in and ski out resort.
1: Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a near, um, it's in Utah. And I don't know if you've ever skied Utah, but it's the best snow in the world as far as as I've experienced. It's pretty amazing. Um, And it's the base. It's the base of one of the major hills. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of kind of, there's there's some residential portions. There's some more public portions um, kind of on the hospitality side. And um, the site is also a place where, um, you know, it's meant to be used um, year-round. So, you know, folks come in, they rent or they they buy homes. Um, so there are trails, you know, there are walking trails, hiking trails. There there are um, spots of respite and you know, kind of the interaction with nature. And then, of course, you can ski and ski out during the season. Um, uh, you know, it. Looking at it, you know, you could have just done like a, uh some sort of community level lead certification or something, but it just made more sense to. Uh, kind of apply a bit more of, of a combination of the, um, of what's available for them. Um, so, you know, the wellness part is kind of, you know, from the, uh, kind of the outdoor nature of things and, you know, kind of the expectation of that, of kind of that experience sort of makes sense. And then the sustainability part makes sense and, um, you know, some site driven issues. So, um, uh, you know, I think it's just uh, it's a it's a great platform for doing um, doing the mix kind of um, you know kind of doing something that's customized for them that that uh, that gives them the story that they want to tell and gives the uh, the inhabitants and visitors the experience that they want to have.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good example of how it's not always about the plaque on the front door, as you say. It's also about adding value to the. To the residential or visitor experience in the end, and finding those those the sweet spot in terms of how you can add value, um, not just to an investor group behind the scenes, but also to your end consumer, right? And, and sort of tapping into that desire for wellness features or some sense of a sort of you know third party backed um, yeah strategy behind suggesting that this is a place where you can be healthy right it's like well how do you prove that what's behind it where do the ideas come from and i think you're adding a bit of structure to that pitch right
1: oh yeah it's it you're adding value and there's enough brand recognition with some of these major um uh, rating systems too to where people know what they are now um they may not be able to tell you much detail what they are but they know it because it's been around for they've been around for a while Um, so people get it, they understand, and that's part of it too, there's a brand proposition and that brand proposition also extends, you know, um, I think, uh, with a lot of the retail work that I do, um, that is a huge part of it. And it was a huge part of it at Starbucks, um, and not just for, um, consumers or customers, but also for the employees. So the basic reality we found at Starbucks, for instance, was, um, you know, doing some kind of, uh, surveying of the, of the of the flock, so to speak, is that, um, us doing the lead program was probably more important to our employees than it was to, um, the customers. Cause the customers just sort of assume we were doing the right thing, but the employees are all for the most part, um, between, you know, 16 and 23 or 24. Um, and they have a, a different expectation than those of us who have um, gray hair. So, um, you know, they're, they would not work for a company um with such enthusiasm that didn't do what you know didn't do what they expected to be basic um uh corporate social responsibility which was trying to do the right thing um and i think you see that in in other brands too like even some of the higher end retail brands um you know they're trying to build relationships with people who will be um lifelong um, uh, customers and the, those customers need to know that the company is is you know at least trying to do the right thing. They want to make sure that you know um, their purchases is uh, um, at least not being a negative impact on on the planet. So you know they just have a different expectation, and I don't see that going anywhere.
0: So that's both internal and external stakeholders essentially. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's often it's easy to forget that, but the idea of uh, talent attraction and retention. You know based on how you follow through on corporate values right and and I think that's where the certifications really kick in because you yeah it's sort of it's a gold standard, and that then helps i guess in terms of recruitment when it is a value based decision on on a certainly sort of gen z uh, or gen alpha coming up now I think it's they're yep. just sort of expecting it right
1: yeah you 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 can't get away with not um addressing those issues they're just not going to put up with it. I mean, good for them, you know, whereas, um, you know, older folks, you know, they might get a little sort of um, good feeling benefit or bump from something. But the expectation of those who are kind of coming up is that, um, you know, you can't you, you have to play your part as a global citizen. Otherwise, you know, they don't want to they're not going to buy your stuff. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the crude way to say it, but they're just not going to buy it. So well, it's a very um, optimistic message more for you.
0: <laughs> it's 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 a good sign for for what's around the corner with the next generation. That's so I see it. It
1: is, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna have a, a, you know, we're trying, but they're gonna have a mess to clean up, and you know, I think they're they're uh, they're prone to do it.
0: John, that was great. I really appreciate your time and for sharing all your insights. We'll link to the ASAP website on the show notes, and nothing less, nothing more than that. Just thanks again.
1: Thank you so much. It's good talking to you.